Ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. Start the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Group. Mendy here joined. We got the full cast and crew and a special guest tonight. Marty Party back in the fold, fresh off the cocoa. Marty Party, how you feeling tonight, my man? Yes, uh, well, I thought I had plantar fasciitis according to last week's uh, show. But um, yeah, no, I'm recovering from that. I'm uh, almost fully recovered from the from COVID-19. So I was on the COVID-19 IL, but I'm bouncing back. Just uh, outside of fatigue, we are good to go. And I'm super excited to talk baseball because it's about... 10 degrees outside in Detroit. So I'm thinking of spring. I'm thinking of good weather. Is COVID IL still a thing? Like, I, yes. That, I feel like it completely didn't exist last year. I've seen people with like the like non COVID IL illness go on to the COVID IL. So it still exists, and but I think it's a lot looser. It's basically when they want somebody to have two days off. Yep. And they don't want that <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We also got a little cheesecake in the house tonight, fresh off his family vacay. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling, little cheesecake? Good, good. Little bit, little tired. You know, you go, you go hard on the family vacays because you want the kids to, you want the memories to sort of seal in their craniums. Those little like, uh, those little flashpoints that you remember from when you went on family vacations. Like, oh, you remember how big Grandpa's backyard looked when we were five? You want those flashpoints to be sealed into their uh, to their memories. And so, you know, I was going extra hard. We did a lot of sledding. I stayed out in the cold for a lot longer than I wanted to because they wanted to, but it was a, it was a great time. This is the, the dad's podcast just became, yeah, it sounded like a dad. <laughs> and then we, of course we have doc in the house tonight, doc, anything is, I don't feel like there's been nothing really new in your world. Is there anything we should know? Absolutely not. You know, we were talking before the show, uh, what Jay you could use for the, uh, the, um, army alphabet. And jaw, Jay is in jaw. For that's how much arts jaw must be fatigued after all that talking, carrying your backstage stuff into the show. That's what you do. I like it. All right, we got a special guest joining the show tonight. We welcome in a man that I would say I would call him the big dumper because of the awesome stickers he passed out during first pitch Arizona. Yeah, does baseball content for the Dynasty Guru and peace, love, and baseball. He's a Mariners fan, an Eno Saris guy, and a Puggy Daddy. Hashtag yep. Puggy Daddy. Ladies and gentlemen, is the king of the selfie. It is Sam, and I actually realized we never got your last name, but Sam FPV1 <laughs> in the house tonight. What's up, Sam? What's up, guys? I'm just super excited to talk baseball, man. Uh, we also had snow and being up in the Northwest now, it's 40 degrees and raining, and I just want to think about summer days and grass and, you know, hot dogs and beer and all the good shit. So I'm ready to go. Now, let me ask you, because you obviously live in Seattle. Is Yeah, uh, just outside. So is it rainy there all the time like they always say it is? So it's like a different kind of rain. Like when you go to other places and it rains, like the weather system gets all of the rain out. So you'll get a good rain when it rains. And in Seattle, it's like it'll rain for an hour, kind of, and be like, well, you know, we could rain again in another hour. We might wait and see. So it rains all the time. There was uh, two years ago, we had six months where there were five days without rain. Um, Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's gray and 
But the summers here are better than anything I've ever seen. So. But the overcast isn't consistently throughout the year, right? You have like some sunshine in the summers. Oh, yeah. You get uh, really good months usually from July through September. Oh, okay. that's that's the good time. So and All it's right. always green. Uh, you know, you get to see mountains and ocean and it's pretty like it's beautiful. It just rains all the time. All right. Well, we will have to make our trip one day to Seattle. Space Needle is on the agenda. Oh, absolutely. But, but I will say on the agenda tonight, Sam's joining us for a special episode of baseball. New faces in new places. We're looking at players with stock up and stock down as we basically have closed out free agency for all the major players and trades, unless more trades just all of a sudden pop up. And we can kind of, now that the dust has settled, look at going into this next season, who's had increased fantasy value and who has lost fantasy value with their new teams. And obviously, again, there's so many trades and free agent signings that have happened. We're looking at the most impactful in terms of increased or decreased uh, in terms of for your fantasy teams, the uh what they're going to be able to put up for you guys here. So let's kick things off and let's go to Sam first. I want you to give us your first. We're going to start positive here because we're always a positive show. So let's start off with your first guy who I am a huge fan of. And I think everybody, if you're not in on him, you need to be. Go ahead and kick it off with your first guy, Sam. Uh, well, uh, I had two guys, but my first guy, I believe, is Jose Abreu. Is yeah. that who you were expecting me to say? Mm-hmm. So all Jose Abreu has done is consistently played 150, 140 games every year. He hits the ball so hard and so angrily. He doesn't care if you throw with your left or your right hand. He doesn't care where the park is. And he's going to a lineup where all he's got to do is just sit back and hit. He's only going to be playing first base, so we don't have to worry about really his defense. And he showed that he's more than adequate in his time uh, with Chicago White Sox. And, you know, we're always looking for, uh, you know, the next version of a player. You know, we had this player. Who's the next guy that's going to be that guy? And I think he's the next Nelson Cruz. I think he's mm-hmm. going to age beautifully in Houston. I think the three-year contract is going to end up, they'll re- end up resigning him and he'll end up playing there. As a Mariners fan, it kills me that, you know, they took one of their worst offensive positions on the team and put that guy there. Uh, I really think he, uh, you know, not that that lineup needed to be extended, but there's really, there's no more hole at the first base batter, uh, for that. And I really, all the projections that I've seen on him, I want to take the over on everything. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not going to steal your bases, but he is going to hit bombs in Houston. So I, I love him. I'm excited and I want him at his price. I might even reach for him around. So. So he's one of the examples of a player who I think the public has caught up on in terms of what his value was because a few months ago you were getting him after pick 100. And now over the last two weeks, according to NFBC ADP, he's now creeped inside the top 100 going around pick 97. So he's jumped up about like yeah. 10 to 20 spots over the last couple months. And rightfully so, Jose Abreu has averaged 650 plate appearances per year. In his last, in, in, uh, each 162 game season. And he's never posted WRC plus worse than 114. He's right. going to be in a lineup with Jordan Alvarez, Jose Altuve, Kyle Tucker, Alex Bregman, and now World Series MVP Jeremy Pena. Preach the word. Yes. I mean, look at this. I mean, to not belay the point here, I mean, you did a great job outlining everything as well. Like second in baseball, 
with 863 RBIs since he joined the big leagues in 2014. Yep. And he's filling a position for the Astros. They had they were dead last in F war in the American League at minus 1.4 last season. And if you're concerned about the power outage with only 15 home runs, remember the high last year for the White Sox was 17 from Andrew Vaughn. Yep. And that was formerly they said was because the hitting coach there was emphasizing contact over power. And well, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Sam. I was going to say the Chicago White Sox were just a shit show last year, yeah. and it showed with every one of their players, and I don't blame him for jumping off. You know, one of the things that they talked about when we were at FPAS was uh, Freddie Freeman and his elite floor that he he always performs, and and that's the vibe I get from Jose Abreu that you know, he's the epitome of like just that old guy that you, that you want to draft because he's absolutely going to anchor your team in three categories and potentially Mm -hmm. a fourth. So, you know, RBIs, home runs and average for the three that I would think and, uh, you know, get enough runs in and and he's a four category player. So I just, I think he's just delicious to roster. I'm really excited for his prospects. Uh, you know, again, as a Mariners fan, I hope that all of his efforts are for nothing, but you know, I'm not going to shy away from drafting him and redraft at all. And like you said, the four categories, again, those that are concerned about power, still 93rd percentile on average exit velocity, 51.8% hard hit rate, and his expected slug was 486. So there is going to be power returning to that bat, and he's going to provide every 16% strikeout rate last year. Like, goodness gracious. Let me ask you guys. We're going to play. We're not going to do this with every single player, but I think Jose Abreu, if, if you're sleeping on him, we need to emphasize here. Would you rather have Vinny Pasquantino or Jose Abreu? I'd rather have Vinny. Jose, but that's so close. Because they go back to back. That's a that's a good one. I'd say yeah. in Dynasty, I want Vinny just because of the age. But in redraft, I want the floor at that point in the draft. You know, I think yep. so too. I think that's the right take. Yeah, yeah. Jose Abreu for redraft this year. Uh, the other first baseman that goes around him. Yeah anywhere near him honestly because there's a huge gap in first baseman uh, after Matt Olson. Matt Olson goes at pick 47. Why would you want Matt Olson at pick 47 if you can get Jose Abreu pick 97? I wouldn't. I'd want a third baseman or a second yep. baseman there or you know because of the emphasis on hitting you probably could still get a frontline starter at that point so I think I'd be more focused there. And then you got Nate Lowe that goes after there. So there, he's one of those guys later on you can get. It's just insane value. I don't see his ADP staying here once we get to March. He's going to be one of those guys that his ADP keeps going up. So if you're drafting now, you're getting a major bargain in Jose Abreu. Let's go, to the, let's go to the next player here. Let's go to you, little cheesecake, kicking off with your first player. And, I mean, you're going with a guy here that uh, really kind of just, I think, wowed everybody with how well he performed in the stretch that he did last season. So um, you can talk about Matt Carpenter. Which I'm doing them in the order you sent me them, cheesecake. I don't know. Which you know that. <laughs> I, forget, I forget which order I sent them to you. Who did I put in? Is that Carpenter? Yes. Matt Carpenter. I do love Matt Carpenter. And one of the reasons that I really love him coming into this season is he's basically going for nothing so far. He, his ADP is 520. He has a range high pick of only 405. Right now, he's looking at he might be the starting DH against right-handed pitching in San Diego. With the pop that he showed in New York, uh, I think there's a good chance that 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 
max pick of 405 is going to be closer to his ADP or maybe even above that come March because uh, that's a prime prime position for him. He had 15 home runs last season. You say, well, maybe that was a product of playing in New York. Apparently, with his with his swings, he would have hit 14 expected home runs in San Diego last year, so not losing a lot. His his launch angle was was ideal for power over 20 degrees. His barrel rate over 13 percent last season, elite. Um, I love the uh, the potential power that he gives you. Of course, you you might you might get an injury again. He's been injured a lot. He got injured last season. Um, but that's, that's baked into the price. You're not gonna, you're not going to, to ding him again for that injury concern because it's already baked in there. If you really didn't think he was going to get injured with the power that he showed last season, I think that, uh, you would be taking him a lot higher. Now, is it possible he could play against lefties as well? I, I think so. Um, career 250 hitter against left-handed pitching. I think right now I wouldn't say, you know, he's definitely going to be a full-time DH. I'd say strong side platoon in the DH would be a good place, good place to project him right now. And if you get more than that, that's great. But at his price, that's a really good position. A 305 batting average, 15 home runs, and 37 RBIs last year. Slug 727. If you look just a lot of the things across the board, walk rate stayed about where it's been, but a 22.7% strikeout rate. So he showed a, a really much a better eye at, at the plate. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he also worked with um, Matt Holiday, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he was kind of the first person to start doing that. I know right now Cody Bellinger is doing that. And uh, it, it seemed like it really made some good results. And obviously, the power definitely played well in Yankee Stadium. But he seems like he's a hitter that you should take a chance on. He's free. Yeah. So why why not right why not if he's especially you know if there's injuries there he might get forced into more playing time so he's a good guy to take a shot on here i like the call there cheesecake doc you're wild and over there i know why but you can go ahead and go ahead with your first guy here who okay well art you already hit the over because the word this week was pop <laughs> and you said it within 20 seconds so a stress free bet out of the way I'm bad. I'm mad, David. Didn't, I'm I didn't have it. I didn't have, have, a, I didn't have the thing queued up right yet. First guy I'm going to talk about is from Art's favorite team, going to a new team, and it's Wilson Contreras. When you look at NFBC drafts the last two weeks, an ADP of 93rd overall uh, in a two catcher league, I think it goes without saying. But when you look at some of his counting stats, his previous high for runs plus RBIs is 130, and Steamer projects him for 141 this year. When we're talking about people in new, obviously, with the free agency, you have to look at the lineup they're in. And he's going to be in a much better hitting lineup. He's going to have a lot of protection around him with Arenado, Goldschmidt, the plethora of prospects and young talent that the Cardinals have at the hitting position, and nobody to threaten him at catcher. So that's something where you really, really like going forward with that. He's been a lock for 20 home runs almost every year. And what's crazy is he hasn't even been as durable as you'd think. He's played in 113, 128, 105, and 117 games. And in all of those seasons, he hit 20-plus home runs. He's even given you a little bit of stolen bases for last year. When you look at the metrics, they match up hard hit percentage in the 90th percentile, max EV in the 98th percentile, barrel percentage in the 73rd percentile. So... I think he's he's in line for his best career year. 
Yeah, I mean, in that Cardinals lineup, like that's going to be the real deal. You would expect with all the trade rumors over the last few years that that's really probably weighted on him some. Now he can kind of play for the Cardinals, who have produced some really good hitting recently, and he's going to have a chance for some RBIs and runs like he hasn't had in Chicago the last couple of seasons. Definitely think he is definitely a riser. I can't see him doing. I, I can't see him doing worse than he did last year. And not, it's not saying that he did bad, but just the situation around him is makes it for so much better in terms of counting stats, in terms of just his overall psyche being there. So I like the call there as well, Doc. Marty oh. Party, your first player you want to kick things off with here. And I know I took one of your guys, but you still got two good contenders here. Who do you want to start with? Got to start off with the newest Oakland Athletic, and that is Trevor May. So Trevor May, a uh, relief pitcher from your old Minnesota Twins, formerly with the New York Mets. He currently has an ADP of 676. So in other words, he is completely being undrafted in most leagues. Steamer now projects him as the closer um, for the Athletics for 2023, and they project him for 17 saves. So there's a few reasons why he will be the closer. Number one, he's, he's by far the best pitcher in the eighth bullpen. When you look it up, up and down, there's not a lot of uh, talent, you know, not only on the team, but especially in that bullpen. Last year with the Mets, he struggled constantly. He was injured. Um, <clears throat> actually, he started off the year uh, with COVID, which backed up his, uh, he wasn't able to have a full spring training. And so when he was actually, the season started, he piled up a bunch of injuries because the Mets wanted him to pitch right away. And because of that, you know, he was, uh, he had the worst season of his career. He finished with a 5.04 ERA and he even talked about uh, potentially retiring. So, um, he decided not to. He went back onto the market and the A's scooped him up. So the number one reason why he's going to be their closer, he's their best uh, pitcher out of the bullpen. But number two <clears throat> is he's actually, um, the, the A's, they're going to want to use him as trade bait closer to the trade deadline. So they have every incentive to put him into that closing role, get him as many saves as possible so they can do what they always do, and that's just trade away their guys. So um, you look at his actual stats in 2020, he had a 39.6 strikeout rate with a 3.42 XRA. In 2020, um, 2022, or no, sorry, 2021, he had a 31.2 strikeout percentage with a 2.9 ERA. So before last year, he was doing really, really well. I love where he's at. By the time, man, by the time March comes around, his ADP is going to be through the roof. So if you are doing your drafts, this is the time now to get your Trevor May, um, your Trevor May pieces. Yeah, it's really interesting too. I just, I'm trying to figure out why last year was so bad. And you like look at his the pitch mix. The pitch mix is pretty much the same across like across the board. You know, he, he threw a split finger last year, which he, he didn't throw before. But yeah. like everything else in terms of the percent usage and the miles per hour all lines up to what he did in 2020 and 2021. Just a lot less whiffs on his fastball and his slider got a lot less whiffs. And yeah. I don't know if it's just, uh, I mean, the, the spin rates were right around where they were too, like down a little bit. Yeah, he's talked about it um, on the Chris Rose rotation. He's um, uh, one of the uh, the main contributors there. He, every six weeks, he sits down and he talks about the season and how he's doing. And it's really because the Mets pushed him to get like to be their eighth inning guy right away when he wasn't ready. So the first thing he had forearm strength. He comes back shoulder injury, and so every single time he was put in, he was just trying to catch up, um, and he lost a little bit of velocity because of that. And then you know mentally, it just started to really weigh on him. 
So that that was the, the the stuff's still there. The next year he's gonna have a full he has this full off season to get ready. So you know he's gonna be the same guy that we saw in 2020, 2021. He's only 32 years old. You know he's not 40 years old. So it's not like he's gonna completely drop off the face of the earth. So injuries is what kept him from a good season last year. Yeah, an ADP of 502. Yeah, he's moving up. But I, I got a couple of questions about him. I'm I'm curious. I. I I totally agree with the way that the Mets handle their pitchers and how they're at least have been super problematic about it for the last 10, 10 years. So I didn't realize that backstory about May and his problems with the Mets, but he never seems to put together uh, a real good season. I've never seen him truly trusted in the ninth inning. And uh, I totally agree that he is the best closer for the Oakland athletics. Uh, I have a gentleman's bet with uh, Will Garofalo that the A's win under 50 games this year. I, I, I think that if he gets saves, he might get 10, mm-hmm. 8. And if you trade him, he's not going to be traded to a contender that's going to need a closer more than likely. He's going to go somewhere to be uh, a bullpen arm, uh, you know, somebody that comes in in that 6th, 7th inning. I I'm interested in, in May because you give a compelling argument about him, but I'm completely off of him. I would much rather him be on somebody else's roster. So let me ask you this. What happens if you have him for the first and here and here's what Oakland does best. They're gonna they always win more games than they should. So for yes. whatever reason that yes. happens every year. They're they're <laughs> no matter how bad that roster is, they somehow hover around five hundred ball for way too long. But let's say, you know, two, three, four months. Trevor May as their primary closer, it gets you to that 13, 14 saves. And then you drop him, you pick up his handcuff after they trade him. Okay. So, uh, you know, with the scarcity of saves, I, I can, I can buy into that. I just, I'm real nervous about investing any kind of real draft capital. And you make the point that he doesn't cost draft yeah. capital right yeah, now, but goal, I, if he moves up, if he's past anybody who has a legitimate shot to stay on a good team throughout the entire year. But as of right now, what is he said? He's moved up to 500 and something. He's 502 over the last two that's weeks. Still good. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's fine. Free. That's yeah, good. that's that's 38 and a 15 teamer. Yeah, yeah. So okay, good. price factors in, but yeah, I mean, there's the chance there for 10 saves. Maybe like, I mean, then he gets traded, like Sam says, to a contender and he becomes an eighth inning guy again. I'm definitely not fully backing him as like your first or second or preferably not even your third save choice. (laughs) But (laughs) if we we zoomed out two months ago, there was no way anyone was going to draft him. So if we're we're following the rules of this exercise, he has to have the highest boost. Okay. And. Uh, I'll at least admit that I need saves in that draft and hold we're doing. So he's one of the people that I will be looking at for that roster. But you guys will be fighting for it. The rules for debating Marty are that you don't back down, that you just make him (laughs) drop it at some point. Marty, knock it off. I win this debate. Is that that the way that goes? No, I I liked it. I appreciated the knowledge. So, um. Yeah, Doc's living through you because he likes to debate Marty. So when anybody else does it, he's... <laughs> I agree fine. with him, too. It's only, it's only his two-star pitchers I disagree with. <laughs> Bring those back. One out, of, one out of every 40 and 50 he disagrees yeah. with. All right, let's go to my first guy here. We're not here all night. And the guy I'm going to lead off with here is someone that Marty also liked, too. So I'm going to give him... We're going to share the credit for this one. Zach Eflin of the Tampa Bay Rays. They signed him to a three-year, $40 million contract, which... Fun fact, I don't know if you guys knew, that's the richest contract ever given in Tampa Bay Ray history. Three to a free agent. 
to a free agent. Yes, thank okay. you. Okay. Uh, that's like where you have to like leave, read the uh, the small print. Yeah. In the in the contract, but yeah, the richest to a free agent in franchise history. Eflin spent last season between the rotation and the bullpen for the Phillies, and he started 13 games and made seven appearances out of the bullpen. All in all, a 404 ERA, 112 WHIP, and 65 strikeouts, one save in 75.2 innings. Now, what's interesting is I was reading an article on MLB.com, and the Rays, before the offseason, actually tried to acquire Eflin twice before this, according to their president of baseball operations, Eric Neander. And Eric Neander came out and said, we feel for Zach, the best is very much right in front of him. We're confident that uh, that's something that you will see over here over the next three years with us. And we know what the Rays have been doing with pitching. And the fact that they've been that aggressive to try to get him, they must be seeing something that they are really intrigued by. You know, Eflin six foot six, average fewer than two walks per nine, so he has good command, limits hard contact, thirty one point one percent hard hit percentage, an average exit velocity of eighty five point three miles per hour, has a six pitch mix. Uh, I think Tampa's going to work with him. He's right now not too expensive. I have to double check what his price is right now. I believe. It is 294. So he's going around Bailey Ober. He's going around Ranger Suarez. He's going around Ross Stripling. So like you're getting him in that range. And I think he has as much upside here as any of those guys. So I'm very much intrigued with Zach Eflin. And let's say worst case scenario, the Rays treat him like a Ryan Yarborough where they're like, Hey, we only want you through maybe like go four innings. Great, he's going to be following an opener, and he'll get you a lot of wins that way. If that's the case, and he doesn't go for you know six or seven innings, that's fantastic. Then they'll put him like that, and he'll get you those wins. So I think Zach Eflin here, just inside the top three hundred, I can't see him being in a worse situation than last year again. In the way of being like, I think he takes a step forward here with the race. He doesn't take a step back, and that's a very serviceable pitcher just inside the top three hundred. Yeah, the only thing I'll add to that is that with the rest of the Rays uh, st- st- uh, starting rotation, they're going to be worried about innings, whether it's last now, McClanahan, you know, Rasmussen. Eflin's the only one they're not going to really worry about. They're going to yep. let them roll out. They're going to let him go six. They're going to maybe let him go seven innings every single time. And so that's kind of the only guy you kind of stick a deep breath, and they're going to plug and play him at each time. Yep. Zach Eflin, definitely we're all loving that value, and, and we'll see if his ADP changes. But for now, go grab him. Let's go to our round two. Let's talk about the other player we like and think that they're rising up here in terms of what they're going to be doing this season compared to last year. And Sam, we're going to go to your other guy here who used to be a uh, Seattle Mariner favorite and now pitched for your fa- or for your arch nemesis. So yeah. go ahead and tell us about him. Yeah, I picked two Astros. I don't know what the hell's wrong with me. Uh, I'm real excited about Rafael Montero. Uh, I know that, uh, Presley has got a secure, uh, role as a closer and Houston is an organization that tends to run with their closers versus playing, uh, closer by committee, but they committed a lot of money to him. And when it comes to closers, I like to follow the money like Estevez in Los Angeles. You know that he's probably going to close for the angels because they offered him real money out of anybody that's in that bullpen, or at least he'll get the first shot. Uh, I think Montero is the next guy up, uh, for Houston. And I think in holds and saves leagues, he's going to be, uh, a huge accumulator, uh, in saves only leagues. Uh, you know, I think he's more of strikeouts and, uh, ratio 
stabilizers. Uh, he tends to limit hard contact. He's a ground ball pitcher. Uh, he doesn't strike out as many batters as Presley. I think Presley is above 12 K per nine and you're looking at just under 10, uh, for Montero, but he really has that it when it comes to being a closer. He doesn't seem to have any problem pitching in whatever inning to whoever he's throwing to. And I really feel good about him having the next, uh, being the next man up there. And if not this year, uh, you know, I play a lot of dynasty. I would say he's somebody that I would want for a bullpen in dynasty, because I think there's a chance that he's going to end up being their closer, uh, after Presley leaves. So now what do you say to the people like D Mendy who are big fans of Brian Abreu and think that oh. Brian Abreu should have the shot to be the closer. If so, something happens to Presley. So Houston's got a lot of really fun arms. They're a great organization and they seem to develop good talent. Uh, and you can never have enough pitching, you know, for every Forrest Whitley and Josh James, uh, that you have from that organization, you get a lot of Christian Javier's and mm -hmm. other people. And so I like Abreu. I think his shit is just nasty. Uh, but I don't think Houston is an organization that wants to give the closer to a young arm. I think there's there's somebody where Abreu for the next three years will be a sixth, seventh, eighth man, uh, eighth inning fireman. And they're going to want to give that ball to somebody who's got more experience. Uh, they're, they're a World Series team. And so, you know, if they were Oakland or they were Texas or they were Anaheim, you know, I could see them wanting to give some young kid the shot. But, you know, you look at the Mariners. Why isn't Andres Munoz closing for them? He's a he's got way filthier stuff than Seawalt. Seawalt's just got it upstairs. He's got some age and he doesn't get as excited, I think. And that's not to I'm not trying to shame any player for the way that they play. But I think that there's something to that age. So the very long answer to that is I think Abreu's fun, but you're talking three or four years when they want to offer real money to a real closer. He might graduate into that role. Now, the other thing I will say to rebuttal that is, do you think that teams like the Mariners, teams like the Astros, they have the better reliever and they have the more experienced reliever? Do you think it could come where if the main guy goes down that they split saves to where like if Abreu is their best reliever, which he arguably was last year, if you look at his numbers, like his numbers last year, 194 ERA, 88 strikeouts and 60.1 yep. innings. And he actually also had a 336 Babbitt to go along with that 194 ERA, oh. thir 13K per nine. So like, totally agree. Be the three, the three, four and five come up, they put him in for the save. Or if like the three, four and five come up in the eighth, they put him in and then they would put Montero in for the ninth or like vice versa. Cause I feel like more teams are starting to put their best reliever in when their team's best players are up. Uh, I, yes, I think that that is becoming more common. But like I said at the beginning, I think that Houston is an organization that tends to like to have defined roles in their bullpen. They seem to not be as cutesy as the Mariners tend to share things more. Tampa Bay, there's other organizations that do that. I don't see Houston doing that yet. That click, uh, leaving and have them having some difference in the front office, uh, may change some things about how they do things. But if Dusty Baker's chewing on toothpicks, they have a guy. I guarantee Dusty Baker's not going to change the way that he handles that bullpen. And so, uh, no, I, I don't, I don't think so, but it wouldn't, Abreu is nasty. Like I absolutely agree. I love him as a pitcher. He's so fun to watch. And if he got that opportunity above Montero, 
I wouldn't be upset because he's really good. But I think that it's Montero's. And Abreu didn't sign this offseason. Montero re-signed with him. So I couldn't pick him. All right. Fair enough. Both of them have pretty decent ADPs right now. Montero's going 360. And you're getting Brian Abreu uh, at pick. I believe he was like in the 600s before. <laughs> he's still in the 600, 659. Yeah, I Brian just want to Abreu. make a Seattle reference because I know Sam will appreciate it. The Seahawks paid Matt Flynn in an offseason, three or 21 mil, and start him again. So you're comparing Matt Flynn and Rafael Montero? No, he said, he said they paid someone this offseason. They're going to roll with him. That's well, they did try to get Matt Flynn. Just Russell Wilson won the job. So, I mean, I guess yeah, it's Brian No, I mean, Matt Flynn, by all accounts, was supposed to start. I have, I still, I watched it happen for 10 years. I have no idea how Russell Wilson did it that long. What is happening in Denver is what I expected every year. <laughs> And you guys got rid of him at the right time and got <laughs> an amazing vote load of picks. Fantastic. Yeah, it was all right. Elsie, uh, let's go to your next player here, your other riser. And somebody that I think there might be some pushback here. I, I think I have some pushback. I'm interested to hear the other guys as well. So go ahead. Um, so I'm going to admit that I did not read all the rules and mine are all risers. I like all my guys, the ones that I ah, put. So, interesting. So I didn't read all the rules and that's on me. Bad, Elsie. So bad. Bad on me. Bad on me. But I'm a positive guy to begin with and I'm positive about Brandon Drury. I think Brandon Drury signing with the Angels <clears throat> is good for him and it's good for the Angels. The Angels have done a lot of work on trying to, to boost their offense. Picking up, you know, Hunter Renfro, picking up Drury, um, this, this offseason. And, um, and, you know, hopefully with some help from Rendon, that could, that could lead to a lot more production from that offense. Uh, what you get with, with Drury, you'll get a very good zone contact. Always has had a very good zone contact his entire time in the league. And he has a good power swing. And, you know, I thought that his, I, you know, I remember how he came on my radar was he was the one who kept Vlad down when he started, when he was supposed to come up as like a rookie. Brandon Drury was the guy that the Blue Jays started in his stead. And I kind of thought that was going to be the end of his, his fantasy, uh, his fantasy relevancy. But he's, he's really made a nice, uh, mark here. And his season last season, I don't think it was a fluke. That power was inflated by Cincinnati. But uh, the Angels Stadium is not a bad place to hit. He would have hit 23 home runs there last year instead of 28. I do like the lineup around him if everyone stays healthy. So I think where he's going, around pick 190 ADP with a range of 144 to 228. And especially with his positional versatility of first, second, and third, that's a, a pretty good, pretty good value. Does anybody want to push back on that or that you guys all agree with it? Um, I disagree. Go ahead. I don't want to be the only one bashing he, he up. Had, he had a home in Cincinnati, Great American Small Park. I think we, I think I brought him up as my superlative as like the, the biggest fraud for next year. So Great American Small Park last year, mm-hmm. uh, career high 138 games. Before that, hadn't played 120 since 2019. So I guess one full season from there. Um, I think someone that just hasn't looked the part. He had two stolen bases last year, which matched what he had in his career leading up to that. 28 home runs was a far career high. I don't, I don't see it, Elsie. I'm sorry. He had had, 
he had had seasons of 15, 16 home runs when he was younger. And his, his, um, his, his average, uh, his, his max uh, exit velocity has always been, been above average, well above average. So he is, he has that power stroke. And with his contact rate, with his well above average, regularly above average zone contact rate, I think that, that shows that he's a guy who makes contact and hits the ball hard. I think it, you know, the power was just a matter of coming. And yeah, it was a little bit inflated by Cincinnati, but I think that, um, he doesn't have to hit 28 for it to be worth that, that, especially with the versatility, versatility that he gives you. You got me on the versatility part. Yeah. Versatility is good. Uh, he hit 220 against righties when he got to the Padres. He was hitting 261 against righties with the Reds and was hitting 280 versus lefties and two and 309. So basically batting average versus both handeds went down. 220 versus righties is not good. He also post all-star break with the Padres hit 238 after pre-all-star break with the Reds hitting 278. Uh, I'm just worried that once he got out of one of the best ballparks to play, yes, that it was a little bit of a mirage and you're still having to spend a pick inside the top 200 for him. I, I just still think it's a little bit too risky for me. So I got a question. Would you rather take him or Luis Arias of Minnesota? Arias. Arias. Okay, because Arias going after him in the NFBC. Would you rather have uh, Drury or would you rather have Josh Young of Texas? Josh Young's upside for me. Josh Young. Yeah. Would yeah, you rather dude. have Bryce? <laughs> like, fucking Would you that rather have Bryson Stott or Drury? Bryson Stott. I probably Bryson right. Stott with that lineup. You're on a. You're on some sort of a weird drug binge right now, Doc. With that last one, Bryson Stott over Brandon. I agree. I, I agree better, with better them. lineup, what? better park. I agree with them. Has, has flexibility. There's no way. It's <laughs> yeah. anti-Drury. Where are you at? What? It's like Drury, you, it's like Drury we avoid. It's like when you do the Dare program in school, you avoid drugs. We avoid Brandon Drury here. Oh, you yeah. guys are crazy. This he has a. The only reason I would be skeptical is because the Angels signed him and they don't do anything right. <laughs> that doesn't help. Oh, that retracting. doesn't help. Retracting. <laughs> retracting. But, but if, I mean, if 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 the, another team had signed him and it was the same ballpark with the same uh, circumstances, I think ah. it's a pretty good circumstance for him. But the Angels. Everything seems to blow up in their face. So you're gonna so, do, you're gonna get, do this? Or are you? No, like, I'm not backing out. I like it. I said you that's could, the only one of my fallers. You didn't do any fallers. You could be a faller. <laughs> He's not my faller. I'm not. I'm not backing off. I like this. Marty well, Party, you're the only one that hasn't said anything. Tears coming down his eyes. I just like uh, I just like somebody else getting debated. It's nice just to sit back and watch it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty fun. All right, Doc. Let's give us, let's, we'll move things along here and go to your next player here. And I, I'm a fan of this one as well. I, I think he's going to a team that is going to be sneaky and it's going to be one of those that you have him, he plug him in your life. He's going to produce a lot next season. Uh, so I'll see if I got any pushback on Josh Bell. He's only 30 years old. Somebody that I think I was surprised he was that young. Uh, we'll talk about his durability to begin with. He's played in at least 88% of games in all six full seasons in the MLB. So that's what you really love, especially as we're kind of in a load management era for baseball. Uh, he had a great first half last year, 301, 384, 493 triple slash for the Nationals. But really surprising that him and Soto struggled when going to the Padres. He slashed 192, 316, 271 slugging in 52 games with the Padres. But 
Underlying metrics were good. 12.5 walk percentage, 15.8K percentage. He's going to give you some power too. Now, you look at the 2019 year when we had the happy fun balls, everybody calls it. He had 37 homers. Maybe he will never have that ceiling again, but he had 27 homers in 2021. And this is a guy that has always played for bad teams. He's played for Pittsburgh. He's played for the Nationals. And he played half a season for the Padres. And now he's settling in for with a uh, Cleveland lineup that David mentioned could be sneaky good. Really one good. Of the best, best hitters in Jose Ramirez, Stephen Kwan, David's uh, breakout Oscar Gonzalez. So I think at 184, that's a steal. Especially yes. if you wait on first. Oh, my God. Oh my gosh. I agree. Josh Corner Bell. infield for sure. Josh yep. Stunk when he got to San Diego. And then you were bringing up that point about Brandon Drury about 38 seconds ago. Josh Bell is so much, much better than Brandon Drury. Every Josh day. Josh Bell also has like months where he hits like eight singles and no extra base hits. Oh, let's, so make, like, let's make this interesting. Hold on. So, so you're telling me that the multi-positional Brandon Drury is below the can't hit his way out of a wet paper bag some months, Josh Bell. <laughs> That's what you're telling me. So wait, That's so are, Josh, aren't they going around the same ADP right now? Where what's uh, Drury's close. ADP? It's pretty close, yeah. What's Drury's uh, ADP? It's I had it at 190, but it might be might be going from a different range. Josh now. Bell's I'm, 184. That's I, so I'm, crazy. I'm looking at the last two weeks. Drury. The last yeah, two it's weeks within 20 picks. Yeah, Josh Bell's 185, and Drury is. Uh, He's down to 214. He is dropping like a lead balloon. <laughs> Does the public not show you art? The fact that it's... No, like, here's, to the, the here's the deal. Josh Bell has been charming you fools for the past three seasons. <laughs> and, and you guys look into his dreamy eyes and the great gifts of him pounding his chest. And you Am believe in him. It? Yes. Yeah, and what he does is he is he gives you like a month where you're like, look, he was worth it, and then it nothing comes after that. You just get fooled by Josh Bell. It's what's going to happen again. Josh Bell will be way more valuable at the end of the year than Drury. Are we making a bet on the auction auction calculator, Rasball player raider, fan tracks? What what do you want to do? Nuts. Twitter votes. Marty, are you on Team Josh Bell or Team Brandon Drury? Definitely Josh Bell for me. He said definitely. Not even yeah. a hesitation. Even the, just being on the Guardians, and which is a contact-heavy team, and they're also focused on getting on base. I mean, they're just going to give him the opportunity for as many counting stats as possible because he's going to be hitting fourth or maybe fifth in that lineup. And that lineup is so underrated, and yeah. it is so deep. You didn't even mention Ahmad Rosario or Andres Jimenez or uh, Zanino. Like that lineup is scary for as little as they they're spending on it. They are really hot. Yeah, sorry, I like Cleveland. For, I think oh, they're going to be good this next year. For Owen Miller, which he might be as good as. <laughs> he's not. He's not on the team anymore. Owen Miller's yeah. gone. Yeah. <laughs> Jay is in Jesus art lost this debate. <laughs> no, no, no. Josh Bell. Jay is in Josh Bell. Two months of, of <laughs> yeah, Jay is in Josh Bell is better Jesus than Jay. Brandon Drury. J- Jay is in Drury, if you're spelling it wrong. <laughs> Man, all them washed up rappers want to do this well. Rock the bells. Josh Bell, baby. All right. Yeah, Josh Bell is the winner Crazy. of this debate. Elsie, uh, I'm sorry. We'll, we won't be too mean to you after You, you guys aren't allowed to judge this debate. <laughs> you guys are not qualified. 
Don't That's even so play the season. He just lost. <sighs> uh, we will. We probably won't beat up on you too much when in the season when Drury's DFA. It's okay. DFA. Now I want to take that bet. <laughs> All right, let's go to Marty's next player, and this one was a. I like this one because he was kind of a surprise one. I didn't expect he'd be on this list, so I'm interested to hear your reasoning for him. Yeah, and before I hop in, I want to ask, what are you guys using for ADP? Because when I when I did it, because Trevor May still. At like at 6.11. When NFBC I, when I, when I over the last two weeks, so since December. Oh, just the last two weeks. Okay, I was looking yeah. them up. All right, cool. Oh, I so just cool. went to the general queue. General queue. Um, so let me see here. So yeah, Will Myers, that's who I'm starting off with. So ADP of 616. He's still only 32 years old, uh, first base and outfield eligible. He's now on the Cincinnati Reds. So he's going to be playing in the Great American Small Park. We've already talked about how great of a hitting environment that is. He is now an unquestioned starter, and he's projected to hit six in the lineup. And after the All-Star game, um, because he battled, as Myers often does, he battled injuries last year. But when he did come back, and over the 152 plate appearances, uh, his last uh, his last at-bats, he had uh, six home runs, he got you a stolen base, and he slashed 285, 349, 482. For all of those reasons that he's basically free, he does have the first base and outfield eligibility. He's an unquestioned starter until he gets hurt and such a great hitting environment for like your fifth outfielder in a five team, five outfielder league. I mean, I, I really like where he's going right now. I can't disagree with that. I mean, he's free and he's hey. in. I think it's a good pick. Cause he, I mean, you can't hate on somebody when they're free. Like, because if they don't Sam pay hates on Trevor May, he's going, to, he's in the 600s. What do you want? I'm a hater. I didn't hate on it. I didn't hate on it. <laughs> hey, Will he's Myers is this year's Brendan Drury. Hey, I'm saying on the Brennan Drury conversation. That one, I mean, that's murky. Murky at best. No, Will Myers is going to hit really well in Cincinnati. That ballpark just makes everybody look good. He's a great player. Cutting your mic off one more of those comments, Sam. (laughs) Cutting your mic off. (laughs) Elsie is getting buried tonight. No, but it's okay. It's all good. The next player I'll talk about, Sean Manaya. He's one of my guys this year. Two-year, $25 million deal with the San Francisco Giants. Him just going to the San Francisco Giants alone kind of makes you raise an eyebrow. 885 career innings, and he has a 407 career ERA, a 406 FIP. So those are his career numbers. Last year, very far from it. And you could see just for the numbers, a, a 496 ERA and a 453 FIP. Nowhere near what we expected, but he did have a 390 Sierra and a 396 XFIP, which were those were closer to his career numbers. Where he really struggled was he was having some fly ball problems, a 13.1 career home run to fly ball rate. Last year, it was 14.9%. He is going to San Francisco, which is the third, I'll say in this in terms of third worst as a good thing for him, the third worst park for home runs. So you can expect that hopefully that can shift back in his favor. And you look at just some of the bad luck that happened to him last year. He throws a sinker and a changeup as his two primary pitches 60% of the time uh, with his sinker. And he had really bad luck. He ranked in the 25th percentile in terms of basically the amount of home run to fly balls for his sinker usage that he had. Uh, pitchers that throw as much sinkers as he does usually don't give up that many home runs. But why I'm most excited for Sean Manaya is 
the guy we call Spider-Man on this show, Logan Webb, he adopted the seam shift and wake approach to leverage his changeup and his sinker. Those are the two pitches that work really well with that with the seam shift and wake. Sean Manaya, I think, is going to be next. He is going to learn because the Giants are going to teach him how to use it. And basically what seam shift and wake is, is basically, long story short, first, you know, the simple way to explain it, the ball looks the same coming out in terms of arm angle, spin, velocity, but it goes in two separate directions. And that's where I think he's going to adapt that approach with the Giants like they did with Logan Webb. And I think he is a steal. He is actually had his ADP jump up about 30 picks over the last month, but he's still going just inside the top 400. So he's still pretty much almost free. I think he's worth the gamble. I already bashed you on a previous show for him. Yeah. All right. So we can move on. All right. Let's go to our players. We are out on players that are falling. Cheesecake will have some more risers for us. But Sam, go ahead and give us your first faller. Well, I don't know what order I gave it to you in, but my first faller that I'm going to talk about is uh, Andrew Benatendi, who signed with uh, the White Sox. I know outfield is shallow, and I know that uh, he is going to uh, potentially a better team. Uh, there's going to be opportunity for him to play uh, pretty regularly. Um, but my problem is the park isn't uh, suited. For him, it plays to what he already does, and that's hit the ball. It doesn't play to left-handed power. It actually takes away power from left-handers, and that's where we need to see Ben Attendee really take a move forward to want to invest more draft capital. Power is far more scarce than it's been, and if I have an outfielder, even as a third or a fourth outfielder, I want them to be able to hit the ball pretty well. Um, so I also... He's somebody for me that looks better on the field as a real baseball player versus on a roster of a fantasy baseball team. He's just one of those players that I don't think we've ever really seen consistent production from where he's at. So I'm, I'm just, I, this is more of a gut thing. When you look at Andrew Benatendi, he looks like a perfectly fine player. But, you know, before him, we've got players like Riley Green, Lars Newbar. I would much rather draft them around before. Uh, I have to go after a player like Ben Attendee. Again, Ben Attendee's falling in this uh, player who will not be named again on this podcast. Uh, but players during him are Young or Cabrera, the pitcher out of Miami, Tristan Casas, uh, CJ Abrams. I'd much rather draft them than Andrew Benatendi. And if I need outfielders afterwards, I want to go after like a Gavin Lux or a Gordon or a Grisham or, you know, one of my favorite uh, sleepers this year, Jake Fraley. You know, those are all players that I'd much rather have and roster in an outfield. So I'm ready for the hate for anybody that loves Andrew Benatendi. I can take it. I mean, I can speak for me unless they say something differently. I don't hate him, but like where he's going, I don't know if I have a strong conviction to draft him for the reasons you're saying. Like, there's so many other players in that range that like Luis Arias intrigues me. You know, if I, if I wanted to grab Aaron Ashby again and ride that train again, there he's there. CJ Abrams, Bryson Stott. Tristan Casas, like there, there are some really interesting players that go in this range and he's not the player that like sticks out to me here. He's not right. free. Like we've talked about with some of these players and he's only really had a basically what, like a year and a half, two year stretch where he actually was anything decent in his career. And he's been in the big leagues for, I think it's been like five or six years now or something like yep. that. So I'm not overly 
pro Benatendi at all. So I, I can't argue with you. Yeah. The, the only thing I'd say is that with the upheaval that's going on with Chicago, if they do have some pretty, uh, consistent moments in their management, uh, and they're able to really put together a team, you never know what could happen to a player like that in the right moment at the right place. But I just won't bet on it and it won't happen on one of my rosters next year. So fair enough. I can get behind that. Let's move then to a little cheesecake. Let's go to your next player that you want to bring up for the show tonight. Yeah, I want to talk about Mitch Handiger. I think what Sam said about getting power from your third and fourth outfielders, Handiger for me is a perfect example of the type of, mm-hmm. of hitter you should be going after as your third or fourth outfielder. <clears throat> I don't really see his, his ADP skyrocketing. I think his signing was pretty much priced in to his price already and uh he's going at a really nice price i don't know what you have i have him in his last uh the last 15 draft champions he's going about pick 180 and i think that that's you have him at 175 so we're right about the same spot i think that's a great price for him now he's also someone who has fantastic launch angle has the good max ev Mm -hmm. he barrels the ball a lot he has above 10 percent barrel rate for every year since 2018, not going to give you a great batting average, but his batting average is fine. It's been about 250 the last couple seasons with the potential for some very good power and hitting at a good spot in the San Francisco lineup. At that position, I think you're going to get good production as a third or fourth outfielder. Absolutely. Would you guys rather have Brandon Nimmo or Mitch Haniger? Haniger. Yeah. Hanniger proved that he can hit at a pitcher's park. He already mm-hmm. showed that he can play uh in fantasy at T-Mobile now. And so, you know, I, I have no concerns for him going to the Giants. No, just the injuries. I mean, last year, yeah. he, he had the ankle problem that kept him out three months. Yeah. Like, just a mm-hmm. bunch of, if he stays healthy, I mean, what was that, 2021 where he had 38 home runs and he yeah. was just the beast? You know? Yeah, so. he was so great. Mitch Hanniger or Cody Bellinger? Haniger, Haniger. Cody Bellinger goes right after him. Mitch Haniger or Oscar Gonzalez? Haniger, Haniger. Yeah, you give me, give me my guy Oscar Gonzo there. But I agree with the other ones you guys said. Uh, yeah, I think he's. People always look at the injuries, but he's still a very good player. I, I like the call LC. It's a, a good value for somebody that can give you that type of return. Doc, your first player, and you know what? we're gonna combine you and Marty here because you both put the same player. And I'm going to put that on Doc because he didn't see you already claimed him, Marty. But you both are hating on Dansby Swanson. You both think that he's due for uh, a lot of regression, that he's a faller. So oh, why that's, not what, Doc, that's not Doc, what I you come said. In, you come in and you go ahead and you tee off and then Marty's going to go in and clean up. All right, perfect. I'll see if there's anything that Marty can say that I haven't. So 84th going in the NFBC last two weeks. He's downgrading his lineup about as bad as you can be from the Atlanta Braves to the Chicago Cubs. Dansby Swanson last year had 195 runs plus RBIs. His previous career high was 166, and Steamer projects him for 154. He's coming off a season where he had the lowest walk percentage of his career at 7% and the highest K rate for a full season at 26.1%. At a 348 BABIP last year, I see that regressing. His first three seasons, I think that this is an interesting note. He had 1,229 plate appearances, and he had 20 intentional walks. He had 302 his first year. His last three seasons, 
He's had 1,613 plate appearances and four intentional walks. Now, obviously, some of that is circumstantial, whether you want to, to hit around the pitcher or uh, double play scenario. But I also feel like part of it is just pitchers fearing him, that maybe there was more fear of him being the number one overall pick, him hitting 302 that first year. Instead of the last three seasons, what we've seen where if you're going to let someone beat him, it's going to be him. Um, he's been fairly durable, 60, 160, and 162. So he's missed three games or two games the last three seasons. You're hoping for that again. And then he went 18 for 25 on stolen base last year. Like I know the rules are going to favor the rubber, the runner more where it's larger bases to pick off attempts, but is it going to improve his 72% on base pass? And 18 was a career high for him. I don't think the Cubs paid him $175 million to steal a lot his first season. So I think everything went right for him. Good job. He got paid, but I will have zero shares and I'm beating that drum hard. LC Jason Hayward part two. <laughs> that would be awful. We're not even, we're not going to speak the name of Jason oh. Hayward in relation. That That is not going to happen. Okay. Okay. I actually thought these two fools were talking about Eric Swanson picked up by the Blue Jays and they asked her Hernandez trade. Because they could not be talking about Dansby Swanson. The biggest well, you didn't even hear about the from Marty yet. You didn't even hear Marty yet. All right. By following the rules of the exercise, you, no one can argue that Swanson has not taken a step back from the situation that he's in. He went from the Braves with all of that protection to now he has Nico Horner hitting in front of him and then Ian Happ. Ian Happ is actually pretty good. I, you know, that's a separate conversation. I actually like Ian Happ, but it's just not going to work out as well for him there. Um, the Atlanta's not the best place to hit, but the Ridley Field's even worse. First couple months of the season, it's going to be absolutely freezing, you know, up there. So that's going to, you know, the, the ball's not going to travel as well. So. Following the rules of this exercise, Anthony Swanson is definitely taking a step back. Plus, he's coming off a career year. He's not doing that again. So, are you, let me just, we'll go around the horn here really, really quick because we got to move on. Anthony Swanson over the last two weeks is going at pick 82.8. So, you say 83. Are you spending that draft capital for Dansby Swanson this year? Keep in mind the shortstops that go around him. O'Neill Cruz goes right before him. And then right after him is Xander Bogarts. So if you need a shortstop, is that where you're going to settle? Start with Sam. Yeah, Xander Bogarts, Willie Adamas. I mean, there's a bunch of people after him that I would much rather have than Dansby Swanson. LC? Um, I like Bogarts this year a lot. I've always been a big fan of him. I think Dansby, I mean, the Cubs were one of the best steals teams in the league last year. So I would he he might keep that speed. He looks to be a better five tool threat. Mm-hmm. I'd still go Xander over him. Is it a problem that Nico Horner, who's going to be leading off, he's going to be their steel guy? So if if logic has that he's always in front of Dansby Swanson, will Swanson be stealing as much if there's already someone doing that for him like in front of him? I don't I don't know how that usually plays out. Yeah, I don't either. I think Dansby was not hitting. I think he was hitting like third or fourth last year in Atlanta, wasn't he? I I, uh, I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, we're fit. I can check. So he, he got those steals not hitting at the exact top of the lineup where he had been hitting. Wait, wait. No, no, now that I think about it, when, when Albies went down, he moved up to the top of the lineup, didn't he? So yeah. last yeah. year, in terms of splits, 
Yeah. And the batting first, he had 79 plate appearances. Yeah. yeah. Batting second, 457 plate Ooh. appearances. Yeah. Uh, uh, pretty much the rest were either seventh, eighth, or ninth. So he was so he first, was second, seventh, eighth, or ninth, pretty much all but five games. So yeah. Yeah. He was pretty much second all year. Uh, I mean, that's your, Go ahead. No, you got I, 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 <clears throat> I think that's probably about, he's going to hit second or third for the Cubs. I think the money says he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the answer yeah. question, David, um, actually, I, I like where Swanson's going. I'm actually fine with that. I don't, I see him as in Bogarts. I kind of, you know, I could see going with either one of them, but I like me some crews too, especially if there's an overall component, I'm going to take that gamble. And going right after him, if you are waiting on shortstop Bogarts, there's Adamas, Wander uh, Franco. Tim Anderson, Wander Franco. There's also Jeremy Pena, if you think what we saw last year was a glimpse of what's to come. There are so many good shortstops going in that range. So I, I think I'll probably wait and try to get the end of that group rather than being the first one to jump at the top. But uh, that's that's where I, I would probably lean with that. Sorry, got a kiss from my son. No, that, that, we just brought some love the in. Family show. Yeah, this is that's a, right. it more wholesome. There you go. All right, uh, my next player we'll talk about for downside. I'm going to be really quick with it because I want to get move on here. Justin Turner, two years, tw- just under a $22 million with the Red Sox. 278, 350, 438 line with 13 homers and 81 RBIs in 128 games. He's going to a lineup that has so many holes in it right now, a lot less protection around him. His power has already been going down. It's been sapping year after year. Less games going to be in Coors Field. He's going to be just first base in DH only now. I just don't see the appeal in Justin Turner really anymore, to be honest with you. Um, obviously, before the Dodgers, he was nothing. He's with the Dodgers. He's great. I'm just skeptical. I'm not saying he's going to revert back to being nothing. But I am. I mean, right now, over the last two weeks, he's going I pick 266. Gene Segura, who just signed with the Marlins, goes right before and plays second base. Uh, Ezekiel Tovar, I think, is an interesting shortstop prospect there. I just don't think I'm, I'm interested in Justin Turner this year. I, I, if he goes on and has an amazing season, it won't be on my team. Yep. All right. Let's then let's go around the horn, do a quick version of our last player here. Sam, go ahead and start it off. All right, let's see how quick I can be. Joey Gallo, uh, signing with the Twins. Uh, he is a true three outcome player. He either hits home runs, strikes out, or walks. That's really all he does. But he hasn't been the player that he was, uh, with Texas in the late teens. Uh, and that's because he can't hit four seam fastballs and sinkers. If you go to his, uh, stack cast page, he, he just, it's embarrassing how terrible he has been against those two pitches. And so he either can't see them and needs to get on some LASIK or he can't catch them, which means he's old and he needs to change his approach. And I don't see that happening in Minnesota. I don't, maybe I could be wrong, but they're not uh, a development and resurrection organization that I'm used to seeing old players going there and becoming better versions of themselves. Had he signed with the San Francisco Giants, I'd be like, oh, that's interesting. Had he signed with Tampa Bay, had he signed with Houston, somewhere where it's like, oh, they really get the most out of their players. This could be fun. I'd really like to see what Joey Gallo, a a fixed Joey Gallo can do without the shift. Uh, But I don't, you know, at pick 360 uh, in most drafts, I'm not 
I'd much rather take a flyer on somebody else and we could go into the who's who of who's around there, but it'll be probably anybody but Gallo for me. So. Yeah. I, I, Joey Gallo could care less about having him on my team. You're hoping for power and that it's not always the case if he can't find the ball, the plate. So right. I, I'm, I'm with it. Elsie, last one. He's frozen. <laughs> He's frozen. <laughs> um, that was a stare that would scare I'm anybody. Back. You guys see me? <laughs> like a child cry. Am I back? You guys got me now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my son's crying in the corner, actually. So. Listen, I ain't even there. Y'all even know how intimidating I am in person. I am, I am I know. very scary in person. All right. Uh, I want to talk about Yoshida. I, uh, Masashida Yoshida, I think his name is, uh, mm-hmm. new signing for, for the Red Sox. He's got a very good profile. He's, uh, sees the ball well, has a very good walk rate, very low strikeout rate. Looking to be batting at the top of that uh, Boston lineup, at least projected to. And with a pick, average ADP around 300 with a high of 190, um, right around pick 300. I think that's a fantastic value. If he starts creeping up, I think he could creep up a little bit and still be a good value for you. All right. I like it. Doc, last one. Michael Brantley, he's, he's a great hitter. He's injury prone, played 64 games last year. And my issue with him re-signing with the Astros is I think they have World Series aspirations, so they'll make sure he's healthy for the playoffs. They'll give him maintenance days. Uh, they won't have him play, you know, full series. They have him right now as DH on roster resource, so they don't even have him hitting in the field. They have Jose Abreu at first, and if they're having him start out the year at DH, I just I don't trust that. Great hitter, but I think he's going to be someone that's part time. And in, in a best ball, I think you draft him, but in any sort of League where you have transactions, I wouldn't. The only thing I'll argue is, could he be really much more of a follower than last year? I feel like last year was pretty much rock bottom at this point. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. A, a shoulder injury like that, I feel like zaps whatever power he had. He's going at pick 602. Oh, I saw a 368 the last two weeks. No, over the last two weeks, he's going pick 602. At 600, that's pretty nice. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll retract it if it's at 600. All right, then, um, yeah, he's only drafted by 10 teams because they didn't have all the other drafts taking him. Marty, your last player is who? It's going to be Chris Bassett, only because um, his entire career, he's either pitched at City Field or he's pitched in Oakland. So two amazing um, uh, pitchers park. Now he's going over to the Blue Jays. Uh, still a fair, a, a good amount of uh, times so he'll be in the AL East. So he'll be in Yankee Stadium. He'll be, you know, obviously the Blue Jays. He'll be there. He'll be, um, Tampa, which is actually more of a pitcher's park. So that doesn't really play into it. And Baltimore plays better now for pitchers, but that's the only reason. Um, just because of the, the park, 32 years old. Um, he does, or 30, 33 years old. He does a really good job of limiting hard contact. So giving up, he only gave up 17 home runs last year and his career high is 20. So it's nothing too concerning, but, um, you know, it's uh, it's nowhere near as good as City Field. I, I felt really good with Bassett being there, but that with that even even being all said, he's going around Jesus Lazaro, Joe Ryan, everyone's boy Lucas Giolito, and Pablo Lopez. So he's still actually in a good spot, mm-hmm. I think for uh, for ADP wise. But I think he'll his numbers won't be as good as they were. Yeah, he finished the year 3.42 ERA, 167 strikeouts, and 181 innings. 
had a rough stretch uh, in the beginning or times the middle of the season. 463 ERA in May, 470 ERA in June. But then from then on, 320 in July, 162 in August, and a 293 in September. So really cleaned it up. And, you know, we saw, obviously, Jose Brios hasn't looked great. But we did see, um, I don't know why his name's escaping me, not Alec Manoa. Um, Kevin Gosman go there. Okay. And we, I think we had, we were very, you know, much so we were all kind of scared of him going to the AL East, but he turned out to be very good still. And he should have been even better with all the metrics showing there was a lot of positive regression there, especially yep. with his Babbitt. So that there is that appeal with Bassett, but I, I can understand that the risk of the fall there too with him going to the AL East. Nothing drastic, just, just yeah. a little bit more of a step back than what he's done the last few years. Just a little bit of a step back. I think you're doing there. You, uh, you're limiting <laughs> hard contact. What, what do you think was going to happen here today, boys? <laughs> Last guy tonight, <laughs> Michael Conforto. Two years, $36 million deal with the San Francisco Giants. From 2017 to 2020, that's 467 games. He had 97 home runs, struck out 24.4% of the time, and a 12.7% walk rate, and had a line of 265, 369. 495. In 2021, he only hit 14 homers in 125 games after hitting 27 or more in each of the previous three seasons, hit 232. As I mentioned before, San Francisco is the third worst ballpark for hitters in terms of home runs. He's coming off a year he didn't play the entire year because of a shoulder injury, which you're telling me I have to feel confident he's going to come back and that power is going to be there. And it's not like he's free either. Right now, I believe he's going like two. 30. Um, let me see. He's going. I can't remember. Uh, there we go. He's going 233. So he's he's going right before Tristan Casas. Jock Peterson is there. If you want, if you believe in that, Sturry Ruiz. If you're going for steals, uh, Randall Grichik. Andrew Benatendi is the outfielder that goes right before him. I would rather take Andrew Benatendi, to be honest with you. Then I think then Michael Conforto after missing a year with a shoulder injury and going to I think that's him. smart. I think that's, that's where I feel about it personally. Um, he'll so be you're saying you're not Conforto bold drafting him. Oh, wow, that was good. That was good. <sighs> Nicely a, played. That's a go. Last, let's close this out here. Andrew Benatendi or Michael Conforto? Benatendi. <laughs> Benatendi. <laughs> Benatendi. Michael Conforto sure. or Brandon Drury? Brandon Drury, Whoa. you hush your you hush your blaspheming lips, Doc. Oh my God! Can I take a pass on both? I would love some Michael Conforto in the OPP league. Let's just give him some flowers. He's absolutely yeah. incredible yeah. when you, you put some walks into the contest. I would have loved him for the Mariners. I would have loved if we had signed yeah. him this off season. You know, in real life, I think he's phenomenal. So we hope he comes back and he proves no Brandon Drury Drury love on this show. Nope, no chance. No. But I will say we got to give love to our guest, Sam. We're going to get ready to sign off here. But Sam, thanks so much for coming on the show tonight. It was a blast having you. We got through a lot of players and didn't go too crazy, just a little over an hour here. But please plug all where you can they can find your work, where our listeners can find you on Twitter and anything else you got okay. going on. Well, I first of all, thank you for having me on. This was totally a blast for me. So uh learned a ton about May. So thank you, Marty, for the knowledge. Well, I'm, I'm 
ready to get smarter as I process that. You also picked uh, up cooking and baking uh, recently. So, you know, just the more you know. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on the Twitter at SamFBB1. Uh, I write Dynasty content at The Dynasty Guru. Uh, and I got some, uh, I do a podcast called Peace Love Baseball where I interview people and we just talk about baseball. It has not a lot to do about fantasy. So those are the places that you can find me. And, uh, yeah. All right. Make sure you find Sam on Twitter. Make sure you follow all his great work. Get a great follow and he's got great stuff coming that you guys need to make sure you're checking out. For LC though, for Doc. For Marty Party, I'm D-Mendy. We're going to make like a bread truck and we're going to haul these buns. Oh, we get the dog at the end? Yes. That Stay for the dog. One Forget of the, the four. I got stay four of them. I'm not lifting them all up. <laughs> we're going to make like a bread truck. We're going to haul these buns. Catch you guys you in the next one. <laughs>